Hi, welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share his heart with others. Ready to learn more about him? Let's dive into this week's message. This isn't part of the message. Let me just share it with you. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there was not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, the grandpa chair. (laughs) Don't mess with Pap's chair. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying in the temple of the Lord where the Ark of the Covenant was, resting in his presence. Then the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called him. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called him. Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go, by, go back and lie down. Now the Lord did not, uh, now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Hmm. It's when you see his word that you get to know him. Amen. Not a TED Talk, not an opinion. It's when you see his word that you get to know him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized. It takes wisdom to realize this. Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So he told Eli, or I'm sorry. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, say this. I pray this over each and every one of us today. This is what he instructed Samuel to say. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Are there any servants of the Lord in the house? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Will you all say that with me? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He's got a specific word for you today. He can speak to you in ways that he might not be speaking to me this morning. He has fresh revelation for each and every person in this room. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Amen, church? Y'all in agreement with that? So allow him to speak to your heart. Allow him to, to show you some fresh, brand new things. Today is going to be a good one. Amen? Y'all ready? Hey, I'm here and it's different now. It is different now. Marcus is here. It's different now. Jason's here. It's different now. It was different today seeing you. Todd's here. It's different now. It's different now. It's different now. Mm-mm-mm. Today is going to be a challenging one. Uh, we, we're going to take a look at the, at the Word of God. And, and this one's an interesting one. We're talking about blessing. Someone say blessing. We're talking about blessing. And the church can sometimes struggle with this topic. And we kind of wrestle with how this all works in the Word of God. I'm here to tell you today that wherever you are, there will be blessing. Wherever you step your foot, there will be blessing. We'll talk about what that looks like in a moment. But I want to first share the foundation of why we get to say, I'm here and it's different now. Where Jesus walked, things began to change, church. Wherever he stepped his foot, whatever town he wandered into, 
He didn't even wander. He followed the Holy Spirit into. Things began to change. People got to see something that they had never seen before. People were getting healed. They were getting provided for. They were hearing wisdom for the first time in their life. Stuff was happening. And then he runs into this man in Matthew chapter 9, this man who had been mute forever and ever. And instead of going through it, we always talk about this. He probably went to all these doctors, witch doctors, essential oils, right? He did all these types of things to try getting well. Essential oils work, let me tell you, okay? And so he tried doing everything to get well. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just comes up and says, hey, that, that needs to go. Demon, get out. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Could you imagine seeing this? Everyone was amazed. What did they say? Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. In other words, it's different. What is this? We've never seen this. How does someone operate like that? Wherever he walked, things began to change. But here's the problem. Someone say, oh, he's not walking here on this earth any longer. He does not walk amongst us. I wish he did. That would be powerful. Oh, what I would do for three minutes just talking with him face to face. But he's no longer here. And so what he did, man, we were separated from God and, and we were broken. We took a choice to eat of the fruit and we separated ourselves. And from that moment, sin was introduced and we were, we were going to make decisions. And this one decision led to that which is death. And so we were broken. And we could try everything we could to try fixing it. You could try living a perfect life and five minutes later you would fail. We tried fixing everything on our own. And God, who was perfect and had every right to just look away from his creation, actually looked towards you with compassion. So much love and compassion, in fact, that he said, hey, Jesus, my one and only son, I'm going to send you down. I'm going to witness you break your body and spill your blood so that these people who are messed up might have a chance. They might turn to me. In fact, he made the sacrifice even for those who would spit on it and would take it for granted. The offers available for all who would call on him. And so he took all of the sin, all of the world's sin on his shoulders, allowed it to break his body and his blood, went to the grave. He died and rose again and showing once and for all that death has been defeated. And so he, he, he raises up from the grave and he walks amongst his disciples for about 40 more days. And then all of a sudden he ascends. And before he does this, he sits with his disciples and they're all nervous. Jesus, don't go, don't go. I don't want you to go. Look at where he went, church. Hebrews chapter 1 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Meaning that when you look at Jesus, you see the face of God. When you're talking with the Holy Spirit, you're talking with God. Isn't that powerful, church? Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sin, where did he ascend to? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he's no longer in the physical anymore. And the disciples were worried. They saw you do all these miracles. You were doing impossible things. These promises were coming true. Don't leave us. And he said, it's actually better for you that I would go. From sending someone to you. Someone say, he sent him to me. Send him to me. Those who are faithful 
get to walk with him. The Holy Spirit is within you. If you are a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, if you've given up your life to Jesus, there's two things. Someone say two things. Two things that happens. First of all, your eternity is changed forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Marcus was talking this morning. He was like, I'm rescued from hell. I'm all in. Yeah, we're rescued from hell. Second thing that happens is there's a deposit that's given you, guaranteeing what is yet to come. That deposit is the Holy Spirit residing and living within you. And so here's the thing. The church, we get kind of weird around the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to talk about it all the time. He's, he's mysterious. He's unquantifiable. And, and, and some of us wrestle with this because we don't understand it. And so we choose to ignore him. There's even churches and, and, and doctrines that deny it. I don't know how, but okay. And, and, and so we have a hard time. We have a hard time with this fact that the Spirit was within you. That's why Paul says to the church in Corinth, do you not know? Someone say it with me. Do you not know? Do you not know? Church, do you not know? For that person who's been sitting in row five for 32 years, do you not know and recognize who is within you? It's time to start waking up a little bit. It's time to start acknowledging the truth that upon belief in him, the Holy Spirit takes residence within you. Do you not know? There's believers who sit there for decades and don't. That's why he had to ask this question. I came and I was amongst you and I preached for years. And you still don't know? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Do you not know? Do you not know? And uh, I haven't said this in prior weeks, but I'm going to say it here. If you're unwilling to recognize this, this series is going to be really difficult. I should have said it earlier. If you're unwilling to accept this and recognize this fact, this series is going to be overwhelmingly difficult. Do you not know that the Holy Spirit is within you? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. That was his blood that was spilled for you and me. We're going to be taking communion right after the message. You were bought with a price. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit has taken residence in you upon belief. And so do you know why we get to say, I'm here and it's different now? Wherever we go, He is there. Wherever we step our foot, the Holy Spirit is in that room. When you open a door into your, into your child's room, when he's sleeping at night, the Holy Spirit walks into that room too and can start praying on his behalf. When you go into work and things are a little bit chaotic and you're worried about and anxious about X, Y, and Z things, just so you know, when you open the door to your office, things are different now because the Holy Spirit entered the room. It's different now. It's different now. Not because I'm great and mighty. Not because I have skills. No, my power does not come from that. It comes from he who is within me. That's why it's different now. And so you might be hearing this message. Wow, this guy's really arrogant. Wow, this guy's really conceited. I am a little bit arrogant. I, I like it, okay? I'll acknowledge that. I'm prideful. But it's different now because the Holy Spirit entered the room. Period. Period. He's here. He's entered the room. And this, the Holy Spirit, he is powerful. Not some weak, frail, hidden no, he's powerful. Look at Acts chapter 1. It says it like this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, church, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. In other words, let me tell you what Jesus is saying. Hey, you're there and it's different now, all to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit within you, where you walk, it's going to be different. 
Amen, church? And so we're talking about blessing today. Again, we need to really navigate what this looks like because some of us have prior context. And specifically around the term blessed, there can be quite a lot of controversy in the church, okay? But I want to take a look at an account, and this man's name was Joseph. Someone say Joseph. We're going to be looking at Joseph today. So if you got your Bibles, who's got the who's got the paper? Who's got the paper in the house? Thank you, Mark. You got the paper. I like it. The book. Go ahead, and we're going to go to Genesis 37. We're going to go to Genesis 37 so you can get ready. But where Joseph was, all were blessed. It is undeniable when you see this account, this, this account of this man who went through hell and back, and wherever he stepped foot, there was supernatural blessing that followed him. It is undeniable what happens when you walk with heavenly authority and how much it blesses everyone around you. Amen, church? Undeniable. Look at this. I know we said Genesis 37, but I just want to show you a bit of a portion from Genesis 39. <laughs> He was, he was in the charge, or, or he was uh, sold as a slave to this man named Potiphar. And look at how it describes Joseph in Genesis 39. From the time he put him in charge of his household, a slave put in charge of someone's household. That doesn't happen. That's not normal. Put in charge of his household, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed, someone say blessed, blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Wait, so in other words, someone who doesn't even belong to God, someone who doesn't even believe in God is blessed because Joseph's in charge of it. Come on now. Come on now. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Church, it is undeniable that where you walk, there will be blessings that follow. Amen? There will be blessings that follow. And so I, I, I want to talk about this word blessed because we need to, we need to navigate and, and talk through some things. Because again, I don't know what context you come from. I don't know what you experience in your, in your day-to-day life. I don't know how you were raised within the church. And I think I want to bring some clarity because there's at times where I've even had this out of alignment as well. Where even I have had this... Um, uh, maybe maybe beliefs that were a little bit too far on one side or the other. The Bible is 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 integral and is key to this topic. Amen, church? Yeah, we have to look to the Word of God, not Nick Miller's thoughts, not anyone else's thoughts. We need to look to the Bible. So can we put this next point up here? Go ahead. Yep. Why do believers, go ahead, why do believers often wrestle with the blessed life? And I think we come from one of two camps. We either experience two extremes. There's extreme humility that is preached, almost self-deprecating, self-destroying humility. And we say, ah, wealth and finances is bad, no. Blessing, no, we don't talk about that. We're supposed to be humble. And I do understand that. Scripture actually says it's harder for the wealthy man to enter the kingdom of God than it is for the camel to enter through the eye of a needle. It is hard. Wealth can be hard to manage. It does corrupt. I understand. And and there is caution around this blessed life. And so we have the one extreme, which is humility. Get rid of everything. We'll just live in sackcloth. I don't know. If you did that today, I'd be like, okay, you go. That's cool. Sometimes we take it to an extreme. And then on the other side of it, we take it to the prosperity side. And this is where the name it, claim it comes in. I'm going to have my billion dollars. I'm going to have my jets, right? We start going for that type of stuff. And things get a little wonky. I'm going to have my mansion in my house. God is taking care of you. God, you're going to take care of everything I got. We wrestle with this. 
And it is undeniable that God will equip you for every good work. He will sow generously into your life so that you can be generous on every occasion. So how do we handle this? We have two extremes. On one end, we're called to be humble. And on the other end, God's going to bless us in everything we do. And sometimes we take it far out of alignment. Can I tell you what both of these extremes have in mind? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Both of these extremes have in mind the glorification of self. And when you take it to that end, that's where it gets dangerous. Humility so that I am higher within the kingdom. Oh, so that I may be pious and show the whole world how perfect I am at living this word. Or on the other side, prosperity so that everything I touch turns to gold. And I am high and mighty. We take it to these extremes, and when we go to these extremes, it's the prioritizing of self. Y'all hear me, church? That's where it gets dangerous. And I think there's, there's both sides of this, they're both sides of the coin, humility and prosperity. They're both sides of the same coin. The difference is, and I think that when we, when we understand something that's crucial, is that the blessed life is not for me. Jason, the blessed life is not just for you. It's not just for you. Becca, it's not just for you. Katie, it's not just for me. I'm not blessed just so I am dope. I'm not blessed just for me so I'm incredible and awesome. That is not why I'm blessed. And so what I want to tell you, what I want to tell you today is that you are blessed so that you could go be a blessing to others. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you evidence here. It says in Genesis 22, now this is a promise that's spoken over Abraham's life, but we see this formula over and over again. We see, we see this, this, um, this example played out multiple times. Look, God is talking to Abraham. He sees that Abraham is obedient. He goes and he, he follows God all the way nearly up to sacrificing his son, and God provides a ram. Come on now. And so this is how God tell, this is what God tells him. He speaks a promise, a promise of blessing over his life, okay? I will surely bless you. Someone say bless you. Thank you. And make My wife loves me. I, you know, yesterday I was like, babe, don't you just appreciate me? Come on now. I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. So God does bless you. God does do that. If you want evidence of that, in, Gen or in Galatians chapter 3, it also says that we are Abraham's seed. So this, this, the, the, the words are not just spoken to Abraham. Yeah, your call is different than Abraham. But he does still bless his believers, okay? And so... Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies. And through your offsprings, someone say, all nations. All nations on earth will be blessed. What? Hmm. Isn't that interesting? I thought the blessed life was all just about me. No. Abraham is doing this so that all nations may be blessed. What is that all nations? All nations come to have the opportunity to place their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. All nations will be blessed by this through his lineage. He stayed true to his promise. All nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All nations. So you see this over and over again. That God will bless his believers, bless those who are faithful to him, so that they can go and spread this goodness to the nations. Can I ask a question? Why is it a bad thing? Why is it a bad thing to be blessed? Actually, this is pretty interesting. If we weren't set apart, how could they tell the difference between us and them? 
actually think this is a beautiful thing. Come see, look, look at what I got. Not what I got, but look at what's happening in my life. Look at all these things. Look at how, how God has given divine favor. Look at how he has blessed my life. It's different now. And it's okay to say that. Not for the edification of self. No, no, no. Please be cautious of that. But for the blessing of nations. Amen, church. Can I also make another church addressing? Can I address one thing, church? Can I address one thing? First of all, there's a lot of people who want to go, especially churches who get caught up in going and blessing the nations and yet don't take care of home. No, 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 no. It starts with blessing home first and then we go bless nations, yeah? Please be careful. Please be careful. Let's take care of home first. Then we go out. And so what does blessed mean? Because I think the entire time, if you're like me, I think of finances. Am I, can I be honest? I think of finances. When I hear this, growing up in the church, I think that it's just financial prosperity. That's what I think of when I think of blessed. And, and upon researching and, and uh, understanding the, the word that was used here, especially in Genesis chapter 22, I think that you and I can gather some understanding that might change our life and the way that we operate. Amen, church? And so the word that was used to bless, I will bless you and you'll be a blessing to nations is that word Barak Barak someone say Barak why you, you, you tried you tried <laughs> even I failed on that one I might you know you know I, I don't speak Hebrew anyways and so what this what this is though and this is incredible is it's not just the state but it requires, oh my gosh, church, please pay attention, please pay attention. It requires a spoken word. What did Jesus do? What did God do with Abraham? He spoke a blessing. Blessing is always unlocked by a spoken word over your life. And so it is spoken words, oh my goodness, that invoke divine favor, overwhelming prosperity, and favorable circumstances. And even upon reading that, you might be uncomfortable. But that's what this means. Not just money. No. That means that there's going to be divine favor over your marriage. That means that there's going to be overwhelming prosperity in your business. That means that there's going to be favorable circumstances with your children, with your wife, with your spouse. Within your anything that you touch, there's going to be favorable circumstances, church. It's not just money. It's not just money. And so, upon that understanding, it's not just money, divine favor, overwhelming prosperity, and favorable circumstances. Upon understanding that, I have a question for all of us to consider. And this is, we already talked about this, but this is the heart check. I want you to have a heart check within yourself today. Go ahead, put this up here. Are we blessed for the sake of self or for the sake of those around us? Is there divine favor for the sake of Nick Miller? Or is it for the sake of all those around me? Is there, is there favorable circumstances for me? Or is it so that y'all may be having favorable circumstances? Do y'all get it, church? Check yourself. It's not for you. Yes, it is for you, but it's for the nations around you. 
It's for the nations around you. And when it is for you, heart check it. That's when we're out of alignment. We go to one end or the other. But when we understand it's for others, my goodness, we start walking in authority that's very different. Amen, church? When we start thinking about others, when we prioritize others, it starts looking very different the way that we walk in authority. Amen, church? Yeah. And so now you can go ahead and get your books out. We're in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. That's the first book in the Bible, in case you didn't know. Genesis 37. And I want to take a look at an account of one heavenly man with authority that would bless nations across the world. One man. One man would bless nations across the world simply by walking with heavenly authority and the anointing that is over his life. He didn't deny it. He didn't do it for self. He just walked in heavenly authority and there was blessing that followed every step. And so this man's name is Joseph. Again, someone say Joseph. Joseph, I, I wanted to form a timeline so that y'all could see what's going on, but let me give you the brief synopsis, the spark notes, if you will, of Joseph's life. He has a dream. He tells his brothers. His brothers don't like it. He's sold into slavery, ends up in prison at one point, and makes his way all the way up to the palace, and finally is able to rescue his brothers from famine. Famine. That's the quick version over the next 4,000 words in the Bible, Okay. And so Joseph was the youngest son of, of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob would later be named Israel. So I'm just trying to give you some reference and, and trying to give you some understanding where we're at. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel. Israel has 12 sons. Joseph's one of them. More than any of his other sons, Israel loved Joseph because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. A robe signifying um, that he belonged to this household. A mantle, if you will, of blessing, okay? When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated them and could not speak a kind word to him. Clearly, Joseph was favored. Okay, and so Joseph had a dream. Someone say he had a dream. He had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said, listen to this dream I had. Man, just, he's young and immature. Come on, dude. Like, don't brag about yourself in front of your brothers, all right? Fool. Anyways, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. How would you take that? I'll tell you this, my brother and I would be fighting. All right? <laughs> and his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? That's what this dream, that's what this dream meant. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Let me tell you something. Before we jump into the story and we start getting into how he blessed nations, I think it's, it's something that we need to point out is this. It is difficult for man to understand the supernatural. It is difficult for you and I to fully grasp everything that God does and how he works. And in this situation, there was a supernatural dream, a revelation given to this young man. He shared it with his brothers, and it was hard for them to gather that this would actually be a beneficial thing, a good thing, a thing that would bless them if only they would embrace it. Imagine if they did embrace Joseph, how it would have turned out. Now, God had a plan. Someone say, God has a plan. God has a plan, and it worked out just the way that God intended. 
but it is difficult for us to understand the supernatural at times. And, and often we cannot explain instances of divine favor on man. Why was Joseph favored? He was the young one. He wasn't as experienced. He didn't do all the work. Now why is, has anyone ever felt this in their life? Let me give you an example. Someone new comes into the company and all of a sudden they start doing great, great, great. Why is he getting all attention? Why is he getting all the promotions, right? We get frustrated with these types of things. Joseph had divine favor. It's hard to understand it and we can't explain it all the time. And so people will get frustrated. People might not understand what's going on. But Joseph had divine favor on his life. Y'all catching that church? And people might not like it nor understand it, but it's undeniable that he was anointed, appointed, and blessed to do what he was called to do. Amen? And so a couple verses later, it goes on. So Joseph went after his brothers. His brothers went into a field. They were starting to do their work. Joseph, of course, was the last one out of bed because he's all privileged and whatnot. And so he went after his brothers and found them. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Mm. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, Let, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Hmm. Hmm. Here comes that dreamer. Here comes that blessed one. Here comes the one who everything he touches is just favored. I tell you that there's an envy that follows a man who walks with supernatural authority. There's an envy. There's an envy. Be careful of it. But also, we are to be envied. Not in, in an egotistical way, but our life should look different and desirable to the world. It should look different and desirable to the world. Here comes that dreamer. What they're too prideful to say is, I wish I had what he had. I wish I could walk the way that he walked. Hmm. And so there's envy. There's envy that follows a man with supernatural authority. And so the story goes on. They, they come to the conclusion, let's not kill our brothers or let's not kill Joseph. Let's just, you know, beat him up a little bit, send him on his way. We'll sell him to, into slavery. Wow, what terrible brothers are. Jeez, oh man, come on guys. Think for four seconds. Jeez. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern, and the cistern was empty, and there was no water. I can remember uh, an account of a man who had heavenly authority in which those plotted to kill him and tried stripping him of all that he had. Anyone else remember an account of a man like that? Jesus? stripping them of everything that they had. Here's the thing. Church, there might be envy and there might be times in which people do not like what you got. And in fact, let me tell you this, that there will be times where they try stripping you literally of your blessing. But it cannot be stripped. The blessing could not be removed, church. No matter how much you try to attack me, no matter how much you try to take me out of the game, the blessing could not be removed. It was a spoken promise over the heavenly man. So you can try taking off this mantle. You can try hurting this body. But the blessing remains no one can take your anointing away no one can take your anointing away no one can take that anointing away and so we face these hardships and, and we walk in this life and some, some walls hit us and we, we defeat no 
Nothing can take your blessing. Nothing can take your anointing away. Nothing can take your authority away. So be unshakable in that. I am blessed. I am highly favored. Don't waver from that. It was a spoken promise over everyone in this room. And so now I want to talk about he sold into slavery, and now I want to give you evidence that in every phase of his life, he blessed people everywhere he went. Wherever Joseph went, he was blessed and highly favored. How would you feel if people literally physically beat you and sold you to slavery? Would you keep going? It'd be pretty hard to do it. But he understood that this, this call, this anointing, this favor on my life, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. I'm going to remain true. I'm going to remain faithful to God. I'm going to remain faithful to his promises. No matter what hell may come, I'm in. Nothing can shake it. You can try removing the mantle. It's irremovable. The blessing is there. The anointing is there. It's unshakable. So the truth of what I'm trying to say is sometimes we remove that. Sometimes we take it off. Sometimes we stuff it down. We stuff our anointing down. The blessed life that we're called to live, we stuff it down. Hmm. Wherever he went, he was blessed and highly favored. So let me, let me show you. We started with Potiphar. This is in Genesis 39. He was a blessing to his earthly master. Hey, does anyone do work in this place? We can learn from this story. We work, right? He was a blessing to his earthly master. Can I speak something real quick? Christians should be the most desirable employees on the market. There should be people begging you to take a job because everything that you touch turns into divine favor. Have you believed that about your job? Serious. Have you believed that about your job? Can I brag on someone real quick? Is that cool with y'all? So, I got, uh, <laughs> in high school, I was a bit of a weirdo. Cool, but weird. And I took chemistry, and I had the privilege of being with Mr. Latanzio, Brother Tim here. I got a C. <laughs> the most memorable teacher I ever had. the greatest attitude and made a difference in my life. Even though I was a fool and got a C, I remember your room. It was different. It was different. Simply, it was simply different. I can speak personally to you. You're living this out. It's different in your room, Tim. And it should be because he's blessed. And it should be because he's a follower of the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit resides and lives in him. And it's going to overflow into joy, patience, kindness. It's going to look different. So you don't realize it, Tim, but thank you for the, the, the heavenly deposits that you made in my life. Still got a C, though. Could have blessed me with a, you could have blessed me with a B, bro. Come on. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> He was a blessing to his earthly master. It's different in Tim's room. 
It was different in Potiphar's house. Look, go ahead, put this up here, Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, someone who had nothing to do with God, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with him. Someone say, he's with me. Do you all see the ingredients here, church? He's within you. He's with me. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. He was blessed. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. That's different. Go ahead. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household. He entrusted his care to everything he owned. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of Egyptian. The Lord blessed an institution, a person that doesn't even believe in the way, the truth, and the life. So I don't know if you find yourself in a situation where you're under leadership, under, under um, management that doesn't believe in the way, the truth, and the life. You can still be an overwhelming blessing and change everything about that place. And here's the undeniable thing. Wait, wait, wait. Here's the undeniable thing. That as you operate, you get elevated to a place of being in charge and setting the culture. That's what happens. He was elevated, put in charge, and setting the culture of Potiphar's house. That's what happens when the believer who walks with the blessed life and the heavenly authority, that's what happens when they step into a place under management that doesn't yet believe. Because it's undeniable. It's undeniable. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. Someone say everything. Everything. Everything that Potiphar had, both in house and in the field. And so Potiphar, this is really, this is really interesting. Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with every, anything except the food he ate. He's like, I don't want this man to poison me. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of my food. Everything else, you got this. I'll make my own sandwich. He was a blessing to an earthly master that wanted nothing to do with God. Would your boss say that about you? Would your manager say that about you? I hope so. Good. I hope so. So then what ends up happening is Potiphar's wife lies about him. Terrible. Starts lying about him, forms up this scheme, and he ends up in prison. But even in prison, he was blessing to all those who were captive. Let me say this. Today, church, you are a blessing to those who are held in chains. You are a blessing to the captive. And sometimes we enter these places where we're next to those who are captive for a very specific purpose. Mm. And so, to put a long story short, the warden recognized that God was with Joseph and said, hey, we got to put this whole jail in, in Joseph's care. Go ahead. When the master heard the story of his wife being told, uh, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. Church, do y'all not see this? He showed him kindness and granted him favor. That sounds like blessing. Granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And so the prison warden put Joseph in charge of all of those in prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. A prisoner being made responsible for prisoners. I've been held down too. And I'm here to be a blessing to those who are held down. 
when I hear a praise report of someone giving up nicotine, it's everything to me. Because those chains have to break. He was a blessing to those in the prison as well. Because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Church, he might be positioning you around people who are held in slavery, held in captivity so that you can go and bless them. Amen, church? Wait, let me speak even further. We need to be careful because a lot of churches get like this where people who look different, act different, people who have chains, we don't really like that. We like our community. No, no, no. Let's not be shy of sharing the gospel to those who look different than us, to those who are broken in a different way. This is not just a place where people who have it all together reside. No, this is a place for the broken church. And in fact, I'll say this, we're doing it wrong if broken people aren't here. Mm. He was a blessing to the king as well. He was a blessing to his authority. I would ask this, is Core Church a blessing to Monroeville's mayor? It's a huge question. Are you a blessing to your local leadership? Mm. Go ahead, put this up here. So essentially what happens is Joseph has these moments where he interprets dreams and starts speaking the truth and he ends up out of prison and in Pharaoh's court and and he interpreted correctly and he offered Pharaoh wisdom imagine going in front of the king my knees will be shaking oh my gosh I hope I don't get this wrong and he speaks with boldness he speaks the truth and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest essentially what was interpreted or what was understood is that Egypt was about to experience famine and they needed to prepare and get ready and Joseph sees this coming he says hey there's going to be seven years of abundance coming up but there's going to be a famine that wrecks all nations after that go ahead put this up here put this up here they should collect all the food of these good years that are coming up and store grain under the authority of pharaoh to be kept in cities for food this food should be held in reserve for the country this sounds like an incredible plan and strategy that can only be designed by those who are blessed by god you and i should be the greatest planners and strategizers We should be able to discern what is good, what a good action is to take. And in fact, our leadership should look to us and say, hey, how should we operate and navigate this situation? Because you have divine wisdom over your life. Am I speaking to anyone today? They should be looking to the church. Hey, how do we handle this problem? Hey, what do we do about this hurting part of our nation? Hey, what's going on? How do we handle this this poverty that this nation is experiencing? They should be looking to us for strategy and planning. We have supernatural wisdom. We're blessed and favored with it. It's different. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Wait, can I speak about giving real quick? Can I speak about saving? Hey, we don't save for engorging ourselves. We save so that it can be poured out to other nations. Not engorging ourselves. Come on now. And so the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Oh my, I pray that this is spoken about the church. I pray that the President of the United States would speak about the church like this. Can we find anything like this? Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom, what? Is the Spirit of God. It's undeniable that when He is within you, there is supernatural favor and blessing over your life. 
undeniable. Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. I pray that over this church today. You shall be in charge of my palace and all people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne. I will be greater than you. Do you see how blessed you are, church, to have the Holy Spirit within you and it's going to change kings. He was a blessing to the nations. I could keep going. Church, I'm going to keep going. Go ahead, put this. He was a blessing to the nations. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. Wait, I thought it was only in Egypt. If you didn't know, history would say that Egypt funded and provided a lot of wheat and grain for the nations around them. They're on the Mediterranean Sea. It would be shipped everywhere. And so when Egypt had a famine, yeah, there was a big problem. And so the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was a famine in all other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. Everyone else was down and out except for that which Joseph was in charge of. And so when Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then the Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Go ahead. And when the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened up the storehouse and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all Egypt came, or all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. In your Bible, and what I posted up there, it says food. Church, this is a beautiful thing. Jesus is known as the bread of life, available to all. That food in the King James, where's my brother? King James? In the King James Version, it's bread. And all nations were empty, but the bread of life was available to all nations. His saving, his wisdom, his blessing impacted all the nations. Provided bread, the bread of life for people. He was a blessing to his family, even that betrayed him. Now imagine this. Imagine how you feel. Someone kicks you out. Someone betrays you. Family is rude, mean to you. They sold him into slavery. How would you feel about that? I probably wouldn't talk to them ever again. All of a sudden, his family starts coming back into the picture. Hey, we need some of this bread too. And this is how Joseph responds. Go ahead. You can put this up here in, in Genesis 45. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. They come back and forth. Hey, we need this bread. Joseph's like, okay, okay. They go back and forth. They dialogue. And finally he makes himself known to his brothers. You kicked me out. You thought I was dead. I'm actually in charge of Egypt. And actually what was prophesied and that dreamer that he called me, it all came true. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still loving? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Isn't that interesting? Yep. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your, I am your brother Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. Uh, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because, why, why, why? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. I was blessed to be a blessing wherever I would go. I was put in this position so that I would rise to the top so that I could care for you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. For the next five, there will be no plowing and reaping but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Someone say amen. That's different. That's different. Do you see how much of a blessing he was? He was a blessing to his master. He was a blessing to the captives. He was a blessing to the king. He was a blessing to the nations. He was a blessing to his own family. Church, you know what that seems like to me? Everywhere he went, he was a blessing. Amen? 
And so ultimately what I gather from this whole account is this. God may be sending you to be a blessing to all those around you. And we want to self-deprecate. We want to shove ourselves down. We don't want to do this. Or we elevate ourselves up. No, let's do it the right way and understand that you are blessed so that you could go and bless the nations. Amen, church? So let's talk about something real quick. And we're going to wrap up here in just a few moments. What blessings should follow when we walk into a room? Nick, what does it look like now? Okay, so Joseph had like this awesome planning. Uh, obviously, he helped masters get money. That's cool. What, what should follow when we walk into a room? If you are blessed, what should follow when we walk into a room? What should happen when we walk into a room? And there are so many things that I would describe as the blessed life, but I think I, I, think I got four things that really struck me in prepping this message. I did a message a while back, and the first one is peace. Wait, wait, wait. Let's not underestimate that. I think if you asked every person in the world, I think people who are off course would say, I would want money more than peace, but I recognize now that I will take peace over anything else. I'll take peace over anything else. It is such a gift. And I think that's one of the greatest blessings that we could provide people because I think the world is defined by chaos right now. And I think the world is spinning around and going crazy. And there's no glimmer of hope of peace until you walk into a room. And I think that that, that peace literally entering a room is going to be way more significant than a million dollars right now. And so there should be peace when you enter into a room. I did this message on, on uh, the, the moment where the disciples were in the boat with Jesus and the waves were, were going over and over. And I want to share this detail yet again. I want you all to get this. Jesus was preaching and teaching and there was a crowd that was following him. And, and I want to show you what happens when Jesus enters into the sea. They and, and leaving the crowd, okay, go ahead, you can put this up here. Leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat uh, or they took him, uh, oh my gosh, they took him with them in the boat just as he was okay so they all entered the boat and other boats if you have your bible out and you do the core code someone put that in green if it's a fresh revelation put it in orange and other boats were with him did you know that there were other boats on the water there's people who weren't even in this boat Every time I've read this story, I've been concerned with what Peter was going through. I've been concerned with what Matthew was going through. I've been concerned with what these disciples were feeling. And I forgot about the other boats. There was other boats on the water. And a great, a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Can you imagine what everyone else was doing too? They were all experiencing the same thing. Everyone was trying to panic and get water out and throw water out of their boats. This was a terrible situation. All the other boats on the sea were experiencing the same chaos. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Go ahead. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, Someone say it with me. Peace. Can you imagine the moment on the other boats that didn't have Jesus on it 
Listen, think about this. Can you imagine being on other boats that didn't have Jesus on it and all of a sudden it dying down? Just by Jesus' presence in the boat on the water, it impacted every other boat in the sea. Peace. His presence brought about peace. It was a blessing. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. I think that's what the world needs right now. The wind ceasing and there's a great calm. So I pray that you bless people with a supernatural sense of peace today. Amen. When you walk into a room, it should be at peace. Second one is this, protection. I think someone, someone prayed it over, uh, I think Judd prayed it over our church uh, this morning for, for prayer team. He prayed protection. I was like, wow, that's crazy. We're talking about this. Do you know that people are supernaturally protected when they're around you? No, seriously. They're supernaturally protected when, when they're around you. So there was people, there was this moment that Paul, someone say Paul. Paul was a preacher of the gospel. He was once a Pharisee, had a miraculous deliverance, and then he gave his whole life to Jesus. And he goes and fearlessly preaches the gospels to, to Gentiles, sharing the good news that there's forgiveness for all. And he's preaching it so much, and he's being so, uh, such a change, operating with such authority that people aren't liking it. And he's on his way to Jerusalem to answer to some call, or to Rome, excuse me. He's on his way to Rome to answer some calls. He's in trouble. And this is what's crazy. Paul feels from, from an angel, from a spirit, he says, hey, we should not be sailing to Crete right now. Nope. But look at this story. I want to share this with you. I want to tell you that just by being around you, that people who don't even believe in the way, the truth, and the life should be protected. Let me share this. After they had gone a long time without food, they're on, they're on their way to Crete. Waves are going crazy. The water is going wild. They're panicking for their life. Professional sailors are panicking for their life. They've been throwing stuff out of, their, out of their way. They're trying to get everything out of the ship so that they may live. Look, Paul stood up before everyone and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Duh. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Remember what courage is. It's not the absence of fear. It's the ability to walk with God through it. Keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Simply by being in proximity to Paul, they were not going to perish. Oh my gosh. Hmm. It's my job as pastor and shepherd of this church to protect you. When you're around, I get to protect you. I'm not that great. I'm not perfect. But I do believe that when believers are in the room, there's supernatural divine protection. Last night, an angel of the God whom I belong to and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, the thing that needs to come up, you will get there. So that means you won't be defeated just yet. Not even ever. We got to go here, though. This ship will, will break, and there will be chaos, but you're going to get to the other side, and everyone with you is going to get there, too. Church, where you are, there will be supernatural protection just by the blessing that is on your life. There will be supernatural protection just by the blessing that is on your life. Let me speak to parents in the room. Any parents in the room? 
Yeah, there will be supernatural protection from, from demonic doctrines just by the blessing of your life. Just by the protection that comes from being under your care. The, the stuff and the mess that you once experienced will now be protected and it will be like a shield around your children. You will protect them from demonic doctrines that will try to tell them they are who they are not. There will be protection. There will be protection where you are. Third one is this. we got to talk about it. There will be provision. You saw it time and time again under Joseph's care. Everything excelled. Everything exceeded expectations. Everything was prosperous. There will be provision where you are. I believe that the church is blessed. I believe that we are supernaturally financed and resourced. Not to be awesome and engorge ourselves. No. We're supernaturally financed and resourced to go and be a blessing to the nations. Remember, he stored up all this grain not to make Egypt awesome and powerful and to fill its barns no so that it cared for the world so there will be supernatural provision where you go again I should say this out loud that management and bosses want to hire you just because you're a believer in the way the truth and the life and everything you touch is blessed Jesus replied I love this there's this moment he's preaching and teaching and these people have been following him and they're getting hungry someone say they hungry they hungry okay Jesus replied, they don't need to go and leave you. Someone say, you give. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here to me. Hey, there's going to be some supernatural favor going on right now. They answered, bring them to me, he said. And, and, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves. He broke them. And he looked up to heaven, giving thanks to God. He broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Church, there will be supernatural provision. And the reason why I, I chose this account is not just money, but we will be caring for people. If there's someone who needs a refrigerator because they don't have the ability to put food in their house because it broke, there will be supernatural provision in their life. Like, we've got to care for people. There's different ways of being hospitable. There's different ways of being generous more than just money. There's ways to care for people. Amen, church? And we have the provision and the financial um, favor of God to go ahead and do so. There will be supernatural provision. He provided bread. I wonder what the church can provide for those who are hurting too. And actually, I, 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 love, I love being able to provide for people in unique ways. I love when we go down to Appalachia and we put a roof on someone's home. That's, that's different. We have the ability, we're financed and we're resourced to go and do that. Amen, church? We're blessed to provide for people. Lastly is this, and I use the word production. You could call it production, strategy, planning, working hard, whatever it is. Our work is supernaturally blessed. Did you know that Paul was a tent maker? Did you know that? Not only was he a preacher of the gospel, but he was a tent maker. I love this. This is Acts chapter 18. He worked hard. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Achilla, uh, and, uh, a native of Pontus, uh, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla uh, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Uh, that's a lot of background story. Track with it. Paul went to see them. Because he was a tent maker as they were. They had the same trade and he stayed and he worked with them. They were growing business together. There was production. They were working hard. Imagine going and preaching the gospel, going day in and day out, working hard 
over and over again. He had the ability to be productive with both of his hands and with speaking the gospel. Church, he was supernaturally favored and blessed to be productive in both. And a lot of, I know we get tired. And I know it's a lot. And I know sometimes we feel like we don't have purpose. Can I tell you something? God has perfectly positioned you in a job. If you think that it's menial, if you think that it's little, it's not. Tim, it was not little for me. No. No. What you have your hand to today is a blessing. And every person that you interact with, every person that's in your job, every person that you serve, if you are in like a a service industry, whatever it is that you're doing, you're blessing. You're blessing people. We talk about, uh, my parents own a, a business. They're interior designers and contractors. My mom designs it. My dad builds it. And, and we have the vision of, of blessing homes that we walk into. That when we create, when we build, it's actually going to bless families and bring them together. So even the work that you do can be such a blessing to those around you. Amen, church? So when you walk into a room, there should be peace. There should be provision. There should be production. What was the second one? Come on, Nick. Protection. Pay attention. Someone say, I'm here. I'm here, it's different now. I'm here, it's different now. I'm here, and it is different now. And let me tell you something. I'm here, and I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm here, and it's going to look different for your life. We're all blessed. I'm here, and I'm blessed to be a blessing. It's not for me to be awesome. It's so that other nations would be blessed. Amen, church. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your supernatural favor, we thank you that you you are so good that your supernatural favor rests on all those who would call upon your name, that there's just something different about the believers, and we are so blessed. God, we are so, there's such a divine favor, there's a, 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 a favorable circumstances, a supernatural prosperity that comes as we walk with you day in and day out. And so we thank you that we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it, but you just have spoken it over our lives. Thank you that we are blessed. And God, if we're wrestling with this life on how to manage the blessing between prosperity and humility, God, I pray that you would show our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would guide us so that we would be able to walk it out in a beautiful way that you've called us to. So that we can be a blessing to the nations, a blessing to families, a blessing to children, a blessing to generations, a blessing to all of those around us. Jesus, help us to walk that out. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can you keep your heads, heads bowed and eyes closed, please? might be sitting here thinking that this is um, there's no way this can happen and I'm here to tell you today that with Jesus this is all possible I've personally experienced this yeah I might not have a billion dollars but I'm blessed there's peace, there's provision, there's protection 
the same offers available to each and every person in this room so long as you would call upon the name of the Lord. If you're here today and haven't given your life to Jesus, I'm telling you that you're missing out on this walk that is simply different. Not blessed for you so that you could be awesome and amazing, no, but a life that is simply different and blessed and enriched in every way that can only come from heaven. Today, if you want that, Jesus offers it. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have an awesome amount of money. You don't have to attend church a million times in a row. No, all you have to do is simply believe that Jesus Christ, he was the son of God. He came down from heaven. He lived a perfect life on earth, took up your sins, went to the cross, went to the grave, died and rose again to set you free. All you simply have to do is believe. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And upon that salvation, like we talked about earlier, you are in heaven with him and the Holy Spirit resides in you. If you're ready for this blessed life today, all you have to do is give him your life. If anyone wants to make that decision today, no one's looking. Um, uh, believers are praying for you right now. No one's judging. No one's saying you're bad. We're just praying for you right now. If you are ready to step into a relationship with Jesus and begin that walk with him today, all you simply have to do is give him your life. Believe that he died and rose again and you will be free. And I want to challenge you as an outward way of saying, Nick, I'm ready to make that decision. As an outward way of saying that, I want you, I want to encourage you on the count of three to raise your hand so that way you can make it real between you and God. If that's you and you're ready for this change, you're ready for this difference, go for it. One, two, it's the best decision you ever make. Three, does anyone need to give their life to Jesus today? Anyone ready to walk that out? Does anyone, is anyone ready to give them their whole heart? made that decision in your heart just pray it out say Jesus I believe that you died and rose again to set me free I give you my life I turn from my past and I run I run with you into everything that's ahead of me have my heart have my mind have everything have everything you are my Lord and my Savior I give you all of me I'm ready to walk with you into the blessed life in Jesus name everybody said amen lift up a shout of praise for those who made that decision listening to this week's message. We hope you are able to draw closer to him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of his word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.